Welcome everyone to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm super glad that everybody's here. I would also like to just stop for a minute and just give thanks to God above for announcements that were not brutal, which was exciting for me. If you're new around here, you just don't know this yet, but we make fun of the announcements because a normal guy named John always does them and they're brutal, they're horrific. But Melinda did a great job today. So Emily last week, Melinda this week, thank you to God above that the announcements are improving. Hey! My name is Adam, and I'm the lead communicator around here at Downtown Harbor Church, so we're super excited you're here. Um, three days ago, I didn't know who was going to give this message because I could not speak. I was at a kid's camp. I was 700 of them, and I could not talk at all. My voice was completely gone, but it's back, so that's exciting. So um, today, we are wrapping up the series, How Do I Move On? We've been talking about these things that are just really difficult, but people in our lives have just been, you know, like we encounter these things. We encounter disease and we encounter divorce, and today we're just going to talk about another one. And here at Downtown Harbor Church, what we want to do is just dive in and kind of take a look at these difficult things. Furthermore, what the scripture has to say about these difficult things, because we're going to face these things in our life. And even if it's not us personally, we know people who are facing these things in our lives, so it's super important for us to be able to not only only reflect on our own self, but how do we help others move on from these just tragic things that kind of enter into our life? And you know, today downstairs, I was talking to some of the people between services, and we were talking about our birthdays, because a lot of people have summer birthdays around DHC for that matter. I don't know why, but it just seems like a lot of people were born in June, July, or August which was exciting, and we said this was really cool for us because today's message, as we were talking about our birthdays, was so appropriate because we are one year closer to death, which is exciting, right? Actually, that's not necessarily exciting, but that was a joke to kind of lighten the mood before we dove into this really deep topic. But we're going to talk about death today, and we're going to talk about, as we wrap up this series and move on into the month of July and to do some different stuff, we're going to talk about death. And here's why we're going to stop and we're going to talk about death. This is why. This is something that will affect every single one of us. It's something that will affect every single one of us, maybe, you know, not, hopefully not soon, but it will affect us personally, and it's going to affect every single person that we know. And for some of you in the room, you've dealt with this recently, whether it's someone you love or a parent or a, a, even a child horrifically or someone that you were really close to or a friend, and this is really, really fresh for you. But here's the deal. This death at the end of the day is eventually going to affect us all, even if you haven't been affected by it yet. This is something that when we encounter this, we need to know how do we respond, what do we do, and furthermore, how do I move on? What does that look like in my life? How do I get over and deal with and move on from this thing that we call death? And furthermore, I want to just say, I think culture and society, and I would even put myself into this category, I'm obsessed kind of with thinking about this. I think about it a lot. If you're like me, you ponder this and what will happen and what it will be like and all those kind of things. And culture out there, if you look at television and movies and modern media, death is something that people kind of focus on and, and, and dive into and talk about and think about and unpack. And so as I started to write this message, I started to ask the question, why are we so obsessed with death? Why is culture so obsessed with death? This was the question. Why are we obsessed with death? I have a buddy who is a buddy of mine, and I will text him from time to time because he has some anxiety issues, and he thinks about death a lot. And we've talked about that before, and it's kind of become a joke between us. And I text him, and I'll say this. What percentage of your day 
Do you spend pondering your own demise? And he replies with generally 85 to 87% of his day is spent pondering his own demise because it's just, just one thing that we have to ask ourselves. Why are we obsessed with it? Why do so many of us like think about it and think about what it will be like and the people we've known who've gone before us, what they're experiencing currently and what is it like and we're just obsessed with death? Well, I think that the answer to this question is this, and I've kind of thought about this as I was preparing this. We are obsessed with death because it's an unknown. Even though the scripture has some things to say about death, and we're going to look at those today. Even though the scripture has some things to say about death, at the end of the day, this is an unknown. None of us know what it's like, and let me tell you why none of us know what it's like, because we have not gone to be, gone to pass away yet. It is an unknown. So what is it like? What is going to happen? What is it going to be like? It's kind of like getting in a Broward County cab, right? You go like into a Broward County cab and you have no idea what you're going into. Like I got off a plane the other day and I went into a Broward, like I took my hands into my own life or my life into my own hands. And I was like, I'm getting in this cab. I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen, right? It's an unknown. And so we tend to think about it and we tend to just kind of figure out what is it. We're trying to figure out what it's going to be like. But I have a story to tell you as I begin. So I used to work at a church in Michigan, southeast Michigan. You'll know that someone is from Michigan when they hold up their right hand and point. That's just what we do, okay? If you know anybody from the Midwest from Michigan, that's what they do. If they hold up the left hand, they are a liar. It's got to be the right hand, okay? That's what hand the thumb is on. But I was working uh, at this church, and I would go in in the mornings. We would enter the doors, and you'd have to enter upstairs to an office, and there would be a different set, subset of offices. And there was this one day that I'll never forget. There was this one day I went up to the offices, and there was a woman sitting to my left. She was the office manager. And I said to the office manager, I just greeted her with a very friendly hello. I said, hey, good morning. And I asked, how you doing? And this was her response. I'm going to put it on the screen because she probably doesn't even remember this day. She has no clue this day even existed. But I, I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday because what she said bothered me so much and it bothered me about the church and it bothered me about the Jesus movement that there was this kind of mentality and here's what it says here's what she said she said I'm just one day closer to going home and I stopped and I said what Can you explain that to me and she goes well this life really doesn't matter I'm just kind of making my way through until I die so I can get to the next life and I was like really and she's like yeah I can't wait I can't wait to be with God someday I'm just one day closer to going home and it bothered me and here's the reason why it bothered me it bothered me because this was so at odds with the words of Jesus who we are supposed to follow Jesus talked so clearly about the here and now and what we should do and how we should treat others and how we should engage with our families. Jesus was so clear about that and this bothered me that there was someone just strolling through life so that she could just get to the end to see what was next. But she wasn't the first person to struggle with it. There was a guy who wrote over half of the New Testament. His name was Paul and he had something to say about it as well as he was writing his letter to a group of people known as the Philippians who lived in Philippi. Paul was talking about life and death, what we do here on earth and what happens when we actually leave and expire and our time is up. Listen to what he said. It's so interesting. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, 
He said, for to me, living means living for Christ, Jesus. And do you know what Jesus said? If you don't, let me tell you. Jesus said, you want to know how to live for me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people. Living means living for Christ, living for love, living for others, living for sacrifice. And dying, then he goes, and dying is even better. Whoa, dying's even better? Yes, it is. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Then he goes, so I really don't know which is better. I don't know which one's better, to live or to die. Which one is it? But here's what I can gain from this. Here's what I can glean from this. Here's what I can understand about this. Paul was not just saying that we need to live for the next life. Here's what he was saying that we need to understand in this moment. Here's what I think he was saying. This life matters. This life that you have matters. Every day when you get up, it matters. This life that you live, the people you encounter, the way that you live, what you do, the love that you show other people, this life matters just as much as the next one matters. And so often people who are a part of the church or Christians that you might have encountered say, you know what? This doesn't matter. This is all going to fade away, and I just can't wait to get to the end so that I can get to what is next. But this life is so important, and I know this. You know how I know this? It's not just my opinion. I know it because Jesus, who we believe is the only human incarnation of God to ever walk the face of the earth, talked about this. He taught us how to live he taught us how to love. He taught us how to give. He taught us how to control our emotions only because this life that we have matters. See, I think, I think a lot of us who understand this or think about what's next, we need to understand how much this life matters because I think that this life matters more than we think it does. We tend to not put a lot of stock into this life. Those of us who've been around for a while or we've encountered Christians, people are just like, well, we don't put that much stock here and now. But let me tell you, let me tell you, if you're looking for ways today to make this life matter and not just think about what happens next, let me tell you what you need to do when you look around. Number one, look for people. People matter. People matter. Your family matters. Your coworkers matter. Those people that you can't stand matter, right? Because we all, like, I know this whole like love your neighbor as yourself thing like it's it's just what we're saying around here and like but there are people in your life that you want to strangle like there are and you know who they are because like you have names in your mind and in your heart and you're like that person's a freaking moron like and I don't want to blast them right but people matter they do and so how do you figure out how to make this life matter by making the people around you matter those coworkers who drive you insane, your siblings who are driving you nuts, and no matter how much you try, it's never gonna work out, but they matter. How do you, be, how do you make them matter? Your actions matter. Your actions are so important. We're taught how to live and what to do and how to love other people. Your actions matter. And then, last but not least, love matters. These things matter. Don't, no matter how long you're around, the local church, the Jesus movement, people who are followers of Jesus, people you know, don't ever buy the notion that what is happening here and now, day to day, doesn't matter. It matters so much more than probably we ever thought that the day-to-day -day matters.
But let's go back and let's talk about death. Let's go back and talk about this thing that will happen to every single one of us sitting in this room. It will. It's inevitable. This is not meant to be a downer. This is meant for us to understand it so that we can process it in our minds. You know, a lot of people think about death a lot. Death is something that people think about, and they think about it. Here's why. Because they can't reconcile why it happens. They don't understand it. How could a God, someone who created the universe, place death into the mix where things end? All living things, us, creatures, things that are alive, anything that breathes life eventually will come to an end, and people think about it a lot. Furthermore, not only do people think about it a lot, let's take that to the next level. Like, let's take that to the next step. Here's something else about death. Many people are fearful of death. Now, at Downtown Harbor Church, we pride ourselves on transparency and authenticity. I'm fearful of death. And I just want you all to know, it's something that I think about a lot. Why? Because it's an unknown. Even though there are things we know, I'm fearful of something I don't understand and that's bigger than me. And that's hard to admit because I'm the guy up here with the microphone and should have all the answers right, wrong. I deal with this just like every one of us does. So funny because my wife, Caitlin, is downstairs working with preschoolers. In fact, some of you have interacted with me and they're like, you know, I haven't met her yet. And I was like, well, she's down there. She, she's real, I promise. Like, she's alive. She's there. She just is working with the preschoolers right now. But um, she does not fear this. She doesn't think about it at all. One day we were sitting, I'll never forget it, we were out to dinner like five years ago. And I asked her, we were talking about death and being dead, like I think one of our relatives had just passed away. And I said, you ever think about death? And she goes, nope, never think about it. I said, I'm sorry, what kind of a person are you? <laughs> you? What do you mean? She goes, no, I just never think about it. I never think about what it's going to be like. I never think about the process. I never think about it happening to me. I never, ever think about it. And I said, you are the perfect person to be an emergency room trauma nurse because I would be a hot mess. I was like, you never think about it? And she's like, no. And I was like, wow. She's like, do you? I was like, every 15 minutes. I was like, she's like, you, I, she's like, you do? I was like, yes. And I was like, that's just who I am. I have, you know, fears and anxieties, and I'm trying to work through those. And I'm like, I should take my example from you. But many people are fearful because it's an unknown. In fact, I looked up the number one fear in the nation or in the world. I looked up the number one fear and what the top fears were in our country. Want to know what the number one was? Public speaking. And she's like, I'm way more scared of that than death. And I was like, I already got this conquered. <laughs> like, because I'm up here, right? A stooge with a mic. I got it. I'm public speaking. Number two, death. I'm not too far behind, and some of you probably are with me. And a lot of us think about this when it happens. Sometimes we think about it more than others. We put it into perspective when someone we know goes through it, or we see someone on Facebook that we've known has passed away or on social media. We just think about it. And do you know why we're scared? Do you know why culture is scared? I'm not scared of this, but this is the general answer. I'm just fearful because there's so many unknowns. Do you know why people are generally scared of death? Because many people think that death is the end. Many people would look at death and go, death is the end. 
And, I, and, and, and there you might think, you might be in the room and you're like, well, I am a person who thinks that when I'm dead, it's over. And you know what? If you do, that's fine. I'm going to give you my opinion and you can disagree with me if you want. And I would be, you're welcome to do that here at DHC. You're so welcome to be here, whatever you think. That's why Downtown Harbor Church exists. This is just me giving you my opinion today based on what I read and see. But many people think that death is the end. And if death is the end, then people ask themselves a question. And it would be a very appropriate question. This is the question that people ask themselves when they think about death in the end. What was it all for? If, if this is just going to end, and someday I'm going to go away, and the earth is going to go away, and the universe would go away, what was it all for? Now, I will tell you this. I believe in modern science. I believe all those things. I believe that there's so much that we've done to move the ball forward in terms of our knowledge and understanding of the complexity of the universe. But I find it so difficult to believe that there is this planet with these unique creations placed so appropriately in the middle of a universe for the sun to hit it directly at the right time so that we could grow and learn and be in community with each other to think that at the end of the day that this is just going to all go away, that this is just all going to end, that it wasn't for anything. I don't believe that. I believe that there is a God bigger than we could ever ask for or imagine or understand who created this massive thing that our minds are not even meant to comprehend, but someday we will get to experience it and see it clearer than we do now. I don't believe it's the end. I don't believe that we have to ask this question, what was it all for? And I know this. This is just what I know. Because there was a guy, Jesus, who talked about exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus had a lot to say about what happens next and the end and things to come. He had a lot to say about it because his disciples, now his disciples were his closest followers, his closest buddies. They were around him and they were fearful of what was to come. They were fearful of what was coming next. They were just like they saw him do all these things, perform miracles and heal people, all this stuff, and they were still a mess. Like they were scared. They were like, what happens next? And Jesus gave them a very clear, yet an incredibly complex response. I'm going to put this up on the screen, and before I do, I want you to know how complex and massive his response is. Something that we may never understand. Something that might be filled with metaphorical meanings because that's what Jesus spoke in. He spoke in stories. But I believe him because he is who he said that he is. And this was his response. Check this out. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, he said this to his disciples, his closest followers. I've seen him do all this stuff. Hey, boys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. If I were one of those people, and we're going to read this again just because I want everybody to kind of chew on it, and if you want something to do this week, take this passage and just dive deeper into it and research and look at some people who've written some things about it because it is so massive. It's so amazing that we will never understand all of what he just said. 
But if I was one of these guys, I would go, excuse me, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God also trusted me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. Where's that house? Like, where, where's that at? Because I'd like to check it out before I say yes. Like, I mean, you say there's enough rooms. Where? Like, I mean, because I want to be, I'm a realist. I want to see, like, okay, there's more than enough room in your father's home. What does that mean? A place that we don't even know what it's like. We have no idea. Something in the future. And he said, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And he said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. What do you mean? You're coming to get me. What does that mean? I don't, I don't get that. Jesus, help me to understand. And he goes, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus is describing a place that modern day kind of Christians or people in the Jesus movement describe as this. It's heaven. That's what he's describing. We've kind of given it that name to describe everything, and the scripture describes it as heaven, and so we're trying to understand all that. But then Jesus said, hey, by the way, want to go there? You want to be there? Because death is going to happen to everybody, and we think that's what's next. Here's what he said. Don't miss this. He said, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. His house, where, where we're going, is that it? Is God that's bigger than we can get and understand? Yeah, okay, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus was saying, hey, you want to know who God is? this massively big creator of the universe, look at me. Look right at me. And here's what I'm going to tell you to do in return. Love. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. I am filled with the traits and the expressions of God. And I am the way. When you believe just one simple thing that I am who I say that I am, then you'll be with God. But to further prove this, just to, just to further prove this. Jesus never, ever did anything on earth that he wouldn't ask us to do. Did you know that? He did not do anything on earth that he wouldn't ask us to do, including suffering. And then he experienced death. He died. And we've talked about that here before. We've talked about, and you'll hear me say over and over again, I believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. Jesus predicted his own death and then resurrection and rose again. And I always say to people, hey, Jesus did that. I'm with him. If a guy can predict his own death and resurrection, I've been, I'm there. I, but, but here's the deal. We've talked about that a lot around here. We haven't talked about this facet of the story. But there was something else that happened when Jesus died. He wasn't the only guy crucified that day. He wasn't the only one killed. Let me tell you about another guy who was killed. He was a thief. He was somebody who stole. He was somebody who wasn't a good person. He was somebody who was looked at as one of the rebels of the time who did everything against the way of culture. Furthermore, this thief who was next to Jesus, let me tell you one more thing about him. He was not religious at all. He had no religious affiliation. He was not affiliated with any major religion of the time. There was this thief that died next to Jesus. And in the moments where these two men are up there interacting with each other and dying, don't miss this, they are dying, here is what 
happened. We have to assume that at some point this thief said in his mind and in his heart, he said, oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. I'm saying yes to him. Jesus, I say yes to you. You're dying right next to me. And then the thief in his final moments of life, in his final moments before he died, this is what he asked Jesus. He said, hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know what he's doing when he's saying this? He's saying for the first time, yes, I believe that you are who you say that you are. Not in some like weird superficial prayer that we've all been taught to say or we've been you know, coached to say. That's not what it was. There was just a moment. There was just a moment in his life where he said, yes. He goes, I want in. I want to be a part of this movement even in my final moment. I want to be a part of this love your neighbor as yourself thing. So I say yes to you, Jesus. And then Jesus said something which should give every single one of us in the room hope and peace for those who have gone before us, for those who are no longer here, and for our own futures. This is what he said. He said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. I don't know what this word means and what the context for what Jesus wanted it to mean was. Because it's such a big word. And I don't know what's happening next. But I can imagine pretty big. And paradise being used to describe what's next. Like, if you're like me, you've been sitting on the beaches in Cayman one too many times, and you get this, right? Down in the Caribbean. And you go, man, this is just paradise. And Jesus said, hey, you in your heart, by asking me, to remember you when you come into my kingdom. You're now saying you are believing that I am who I say that I am. So he said, hey, truly, even though you have no religious affiliation, even though you are a criminal, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was a moment, the moment, the moment of yes. And so as we think about death, as we think about dying, it is hard. It is difficult, it is emotional, it is very sad for those of us. But when we hear this, we need to understand something. And this is something that I'm asking you to understand that I don't even understand. This is where the complexity comes in. This is where the tension comes in. This is why this is so beautiful. This is why creation is so beautiful. This is why God is so beautiful. Because I want you to understand this. What if death? was not the end, even though it's the end of this moment, but the beginning. What if it was? In a way that we don't even get. In a way that we'll never understand. Even when we're there, we may not get everything. But what if we just started to understand that and we just helped our fears here on earth and we kind of put those into our minds and we understood that Jesus promised us something and he proved that he was who he said that he was and we can trust and believe in that what if it was not the end but the beginning which would mean this is not all for nothing 
that your relationships matter, that you should love your family and your kids. And understand that it's not the end, it's the beginning. And your actions matter, and your love matters. This changes everything. Everything is different because of this and because of what Jesus did. Every single thing. When we get that, our lives will be different. Our communities will be different. It will change the way that we live every single day. Let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, dear God, thank you so much for who you are and your truth and your light. God, we are sitting here today thousands of years after this was written, wrestling with the same exact things that your closest followers wrestled with. They didn't get it. We don't get it. But we openly say to you, we get one thing, that you are who you say you are. With that said, help us. Help us to understand. Help us to digest. Help us to comprehend. Help us to understand that this life matters just as much as the next one. And God, we pray that you would help each one of our hearts to process and discuss and dig into that together because we are a community here at Downtown Harbor Church. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.